You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin today by calling in the spirits to join us. So I'd like to call out to the ancestors, to yours, to mine, to those who will listen in the future. I call out to all of those ancestors who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives. Those who lived well and died well and bring with them a legacy. A legacy that will allow us to learn from those who have gone before us. To take that richness of lives already lived and bring that wisdom into our lives. To inform us, to guide us to help us to not take that left turn that they did and to do the things that we are truly called to do here with a feeling of continuity, of support and um, guidance reaching from the ancestors as well as the pull and the desire coming from the descendants so that we can know that place between, that link in the circle of life that is unique and powerful and the place of manifestation that is held only by the living. And so we call out to those ancestors to support the living in doing what they have come here to do so that that which the descendants are need will be here when they arrive. And so with those ancestors gathered round, we focus within and reach down from our heart to our bellies and our bellies through our feet and our feet into the earth and reach down through all the layers of the earth into the very center of the earth and offer to the earth a pulse from your heart down that line of energy of your own gratitude, gratitude for life, awe for the miracle of life and thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. We give thanks to the earth for the qualities in that dream that allow us to learn, to grow, to change, and to find balance. We give thanks for the possibility to repair, to renew, to replenish, and to find a way to learn from our mistakes. And we call out to the earth to hear our great gratitude for the generosity and the benevolence inherent in the dream that is dreaming life into existence. So we give great thanks to the earth especially for this very day that we all share. We extend our energy down to the center, center, center of the earth and draw that energy up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth, through the crust of the earth, past the great spirits of the land where you live, through the spirits at right there at the very place of your home or your work. We draw it up into our bodies, into our feet, through our legs, into our bellies, from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our mind. We draw the energy of the earth all the way up and reach with this energy all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name we call that power, all the way up through all the layers of the sky. We call out to that power and draw it down, drawing it down into ourselves, into these proceedings, and into our day, drawing into ourselves the energy of blessing. We draw into ourselves that essential energy of protection and the energy of generosity and devotion. 
we call down the energy of benevolence and the great gifts inherent in every moment in each day. We call the wisdom of the cosmos down to help us to understand how to unwrap these gifts given to us in every moment by life. So we call down the energy of the sky, down through all the layers of the sky into the top of our head, from our head to our heart and a heart to our belly and inside our very being. We feel the energies of the earth and sky or imagine or visualize the energy of the earth and sky. But we hope at some day to feel these energies dancing within ourselves, mixing and merging in the Tao, in the big love, in that energy and this dynamic that gives birth to all life as we understand it in form here in the world. And so with these energies, the energies of the earth and sky, the yin, the yang, with this this divine duality within ourselves, we call out to the energy of the heart and we ask the spirit of the human heart to be present and to open up in that great crucible of change and transformation that it uniquely is. And we reach down into the belly to draw up the fires of the belly into the crucible of the heart and we draw draw down the crystal clarity of the mind. We draw these energies together even in their paradox to be held well in the heart in such a way that gives birth through that dynamic tension to your soul's true purpose. And I ask that you reach deeply into your heart to find the courage to bring that purpose in some way ever more fully manifest into the world. And in this way, from our hearts, we can draw our gifts out and give them um, so that we are living a life of true and deep meaning and purpose. So with the earth below and the sky above, the ancestors gathered round and the heart igniting the flame in the center of it all, uh, welcome. And I'd like to give thanks to those spirit energies for being with us here today and give thanks to those people spirits who, through their generosity, are keeping the show live and on the air for everyone to listen to free. Uh, assuming you have access to a computer. And for those of you that don't know, all of the archives of all of the shows starting back in January of 2009 are available at whyshamanismnow.com, also for free. So we give thanks to those of you that are helping to make that happen. So I give thanks to Anne and Anne Hanahan. To Diana, to Catherine, and to Last Mass Community, and those of you who have donated to the show in the past week. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, I ask you to support the show. Because the fundamental act of power in shamanism globally is that ability to feel yourself being moved in the heart and allow that motivation in the heart to move you into action. And this is what they mean, shamans being they. This is what the shamans mean when they say that all true power is mediated in the heart. It is because we allow the motivations of the heart to move us into action in the world. And we allow the heart, um, the heart's message to be present in the decision-making conference in our head that decides how and what and why we'll do what we do. And so, if this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you, if it irritates you, if it even maybe causes you to laugh, if it moves you in some way, I ask you to be moved into action to do something to support the show in some kind of reciprocity. Um, You can go to whyshamanismnow.com to the show site and click on the support button. Every dollar goes directly to keeping the show on the air. Um, You can also link to the site. You are welcome to come and take classes. You can share the ideas in your journey circles. You can integrate the ideas into your life. Wouldn't that be delightful? Because at the essence of wanting to look at shamanism as something that is practical 
is also the desire not for everyone to quit their jobs and run off and go learn to be shamans, which is silly, but for everyone to learn shamanic skills so that they can bring a shamanic way of thinking and being into the way that they do what they already do well and just do it in a way that is now not only done well, but is done in excellence in a way that is good for all living things. So I thank you all for your generosity and um, invite you to continue in all of your many creative ways that you are all finding to support the show. So thank you very much. So the topic of today's show is that real life. All right. Life is messy. Just when you think you have things in order, something completely unexpected arises, like someone drives into the telephone pole and crashes your systems, which used to happen with an odd regularity when I worked for the phone company down in California. And the funny thing about those big old computers is, man, if you cut off the power in the wrong sequence of things, it took forever to get the bugs out of those machines. But anyway, (laughs) life is so messy. And all of those perfectly spinning plates that you've got going, that one extra thing happens and they all come crashing down. Uh, And the messiness of life is a great gift. It happens to us. um, It helps us to know precisely where life as a teacher is focusing our attention It gives us insight into the issue under the surface that allows us to craft a more powerful question for our journeys. And the mess shows us precisely how our heart spirit is calling us into deeper alignment with our true self. For all of this, to gain all of this, we must learn mess divination. So let's do the short list first here of what does not help in the mastery of mess divination. The first thing that does not help is blame. There is a Taoistic saying, the moment we blame another, our destiny turns away from us. So blaming others for our mess always, not sometimes, always means we will miss the point. There is usually a point to our mess, and it is our task to learn to divine it. But we are surely going to miss it if we are blaming others, or if we're blaming ourselves instead of actually doing mess divination. So mess happens, people. Learn to use it. The next thing on our short list of things that will keep us from mastery of mess divination, the next thing on the list is judgment. Without the mess, uh, judgment about the mess is another waste of time and creative energy. Judgments about how dumb you are to have created this mess or how dumb you are to have created this mess again or how you always make this type of mess at this time because you really don't believe you deserve to succeed or some other of these way overly processed self-help habit thoughts that you've learned to rationalize and judge why you do what you do. Um, these will always lead you down the wrong path. Now, a healthy dose of discernment about what the hell just happened and why can be helpful, but self-accusations and judgment are simply not useful. And the third thing on our short list of what keeps us from mastery in the art of mess divination is control. Control is another waste of time and energy that inevitably leads us down the wrong path. Remember always that trickster makes this world. In the words of poet and author Lewis Hyde, the old myths say that the trickster made this world as we actually find it. Other gods set out to create a world more perfect and ideal, but this world, with its complexity and ambiguity, its beauty and its dirt, was trickster's creation, and the work is not yet finished. 
We are not in control, in other words. Crafting the illusion that you are in control or even the feeling that you want to be in control is simply asking your life to send things topsy-turvy just to remind you to get real. It's like daring the universe to remind you who's boss. This whole issue of control and all of the many ways we as adults continue to behave uh, out of a motivation to uh, um, uh, the desire to control thing as our motivation as we as adults continue to behave that way. It's really coming out of our childhood desire. And so we continue this controlling behavior as adults and just keep asking our life again and again to toss things out of control to get us to get a grip on what is really going on here. We are not in control. And more than that, we need to become the kind of people that don't desire to be in control. That our desire as mastery of life in mastery of life should be more the sense of wanting to control ourselves, our habit thoughts, our fears, all of those things that lead us astray and lead us down the wrong path. So that's our short list. Blame, judgment, control, all the usual suspects. These will certainly lead you astray and away from the ever so fine and age old art of mess divination. So let's talk about engaging with the messiness of life, shamanically and Taoistically. So first off, Taoistically speaking, as kind of a base understanding of the messiness of life. Life, the actual living part, where we are most alive, that part, that part of life happens at the interface of our comfort and discomfort zones. It is in that daily practice of stepping into our discomfort that takes us into where we are becoming, takes us into where we are awakening. It takes us into where we are able to align our life with a clearer consciousness of our self. And to step further into that discomfort zone does not give you greater benefit. It doesn't give you greater insight into yourself. In fact, as you move really deeply into the belly of your discomfort zone and kind of hunker down there, in most situations, you begin to generate the very energy you are um, endeavoring to clear or change or transform. And certainly diving to the very base of the comfort zone is diving into pain and and injury and a level of um, hurt that is utterly unnecessary for the lessons life is endeavoring to teach you, even the trickster. They don't need you down there banging your head at the bottom of your discomfort zone. That where life is happening and where we are able to be in a co-creative relationship with the spirits, even the trickster spirits, is right there, right at that interface between our comfort and our discomfort. And so the things that move up into the belly of the comfort zone and all the way to the top of the comfort zone – These are the things in life we have already accomplished, we have already mastered. These are things that are comfortable. That's why it's the comfort zone. So these are the places that we are comfortable with ourselves, And these are also the places where we are dead. We are dead or dying because there's no life happening there. We've already done it. We've already lived it. We've already been it. Now we're just repeating something. Um, Now this is not to say that you should not... um, 
cherish yourself and care for yourself and be gracious to yourself. But it is to say that where we are growing and alive is in that willingness to risk that discomfort. So with that said, it's important uh, to recognize that it is in much of what we consider the mess in life is simply our moving or even a part of ourselves shoving ourselves into the discomfort zone. Um, and it's important to recognize that without discomfort, there is no warriorship. And without, without warriorship, there is no life. Life requires we show up, we be present, we honor our boundaries, we honor other people's boundaries, we recognize our limits, we honor other people's limits. All of this stuff are very fundamental acts of warriorship. And if we are unwilling to show up, take space, and do our deal, whatever our deal is, even if we've got our deal completely wrong, that we show up and take space and do it and respond to what comes of it, that's where we are alive. And so it is in this messiness of life where we aren't good at things yet, where we make mistakes, where we say we have to say we're sorry. This is the place in life where we are happening. This is where we are alive in the risk um, in, for example, like in the risk of truth-telling with a lover. We are most alive in that desperate, graceless plunge into the possibility uh, with a parent of creating an adult relationship with your adult parents. So we are most alive in that moment of leaping through a temporarily open door that just arrived and will take us into this path to a greater truth that's sort of sideways or different from the life that we're living. And we are most alive in that moment when we uh, risk uncertainty and vulnerability and pain in offering our life's work to the world in lieu of choosing safety and more comfort. And so part of the reason that life is messy is in a sense to keep throwing us back into our discomfort zone where we're alive. And um, partly life is messy because tricksters making this world and that we often need to be tricked into focusing on where we truly need to focus. There are many, many reasons life is messy, but the primary reason life is messy is creativity. That this dream of life that began um, at the very, very time, well, time of no time, the time before time, the space before space, before there was any form or anything we would recognize as life, that dream began as a moment of creativity. And everything born of that dream is a dreamer. Everything born of that dream is creative. And creativity is messy. That we don't create anything if we refuse messiness. So I just finished teaching uh, this year's group of third-year students for the first part of the third year. And one of the qualities we talk about in that as a path of mastery and as a life process is the process of balance. And this is one of the things that we need to understand about creativity, about um, awakening to ourself, about aligning with our true self is that um, it's a creative process and it involves imbalance and balance. And for the longest time, 
um, students were perceiving of balance as this sort of perfect place, which they would then get stuck in and then be afraid to risk losing balance or to risk imbalance to be able to create the next thing. And so balance then became, or the desire or the misunderstanding of balance became the limiting factor that kept them from diving into their discomfort zone. And so it's important to understand that even inherent in something like balance and the path of moderation, there is a messiness. There is a constant dynamic flow of life happening or else the balance isn't really balance it's more like a stasis or some kind of equilibrium moving towards stagnation or something equally unhealthy so so Taoistically speaking then we need to understand that um, for us to call ourselves alive and conscious and aware and maturing, we need to be willing to be in the messiness of life. We need to be willing to make a mess. We need to be willing, if we want to be creative, we have to be willing to make a mess. And in that, it's not just that we are, I'm giving everyone an excuse to be reckless and careless. It's more understanding that it's in that mess and in that discomfort and in that uncertainty that we discover the thing that we now want to bring forward in our sense of truth and we live in that until it is is become begins to be comfortable and then we'll dive back in again life will become messy again um and honestly the more grace that you are able to bring to your life in other words the more you um well as you make that transition from reacting to everything to beginning to be able to respond from remembering that you have spirit help and journeying to get guidance and assistance when things go kind of funny, from uh, incorporating your daily practice into your life. And as you, as you begin to create a life of, of greater grace and of balance and of relationship with spirit and you feel that you're beginning to live your soul's purpose and you're starting to know yourself and all of those things happening, it's always a great shock when things go wildly um, into a mess again. Part of that mess is having cleared, in a sense, that, that level of maturity and having bumped over into the next level, kind of like becoming a freshman at college after you were a senior in high school, is you're at the beginning again. And it's always a shock in the beginning, whereas I believe as hopefully as we mature, um, truly mature spiritually, we begin to recognize that particular a flavor of messiness as the sign that we have arrived, that we have arrived in the next level of maturity. And that is a great um, accomplishment to be at the beginning again, to know nothing, to be clumsy and messy, and to have an opportunity now to reach for greater grace in life, greater meaning, greater purpose, greater heartfulness. Anyway, there's the Tao. 
Shamanically speaking, the mess is priceless. Now, shamanism, of course, um, well, I shouldn't say of course, since this is 2012 and we are in America and there is a profound bias towards the light workers. Whereas shamanism, having much more of a sort of Taoistic sense, is not about the light, but just about the energy and its manifestations in both dark and light. Um, Shamanically speaking, then, the mess is priceless. The mess exposes what is really going on below the surface. Thus, the, the deep part of shamanism that has always been, how do we look in the dark waters? How do we get underground? How do we move into the things that are not yet illuminated in a good way without judging them as bad or dark in a negative sense or um, not light or any of these other things that we tend to do that... While many of people have said shamanism is about healing, it's not about transformation. There isn't healing without transformation. It is about being able to delve into what is under the surface to connect with the real energies and discover what's really going on. So the mess itself is priceless because it tends to expose what is really going on below the surface. Not overtly like a billboard, but but directly. And that now there's an eruption or an implosion. There's some in the in the midst of the mess of our life, we can uh, go directly if we have the courage to look and the skill to stop our mind from going blah blah blah. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. There's a mess. There's a mess. Blame, judgment, control. If we can stop our mind from doing that and bring all of our faculties into the middle of the mess. We actually can tap the real energies because it's a sense of how the mess happened in a sense or why the mess happened, I guess I would say. So a real practical example of this is um, in my workshops as people go year to year, as they step into a new year, they go back through the same list of skills, shamanic skills, big long list of shamanic skills that they theoretically have learned and a big long list of life skills, which are life processes that we're in that as shamanic people focus on a shamanic way of life, they're meant to be able to recognize these life processes like death, rebirth, um, facing your fears, uh, truth-telling, these different processes that arise again and again and again. And in in engaging with them, they move us deeper into our knowing of ourself and our personal process. Anyway, as I was saying, as people are preparing for these workshops, they have these long lists, the same every year, but they're meant to look at it and to ask themselves, have I incorporated this skill into my regular life? It's not necessarily your daily life, but my regular life, you know, Do I do my altar practice daily? Am I journeying regularly? Do I do ritual or ceremony when necessary? You know, understanding how have I integrated these things into my life? And I'm not so much interested in what they're doing well. I mean, I am because these things need to be celebrated. Again, because it takes warriorship to do any of it. And warriors need to be celebrated. Their stories need to be sung. So... I'm interested in the celebration aspect of it, but I'm not so interested in the successes as I am in 
what's not happening. I'm really much more interested as their shaman and teacher in why they aren't doing something. I happily celebrate those successes, but the place where I'll be working with people is where they aren't able at this moment to fully show up for for themselves. So what they're not doing and why they're not doing it is really important information. And so often then the in just crafting a question shamanically it can be more helpful to ask why didn't i follow through with that or why don't i show up for my daily practice what is the true source of my reluctance instead of trying to craft the magical question that's going to make us do it better when uh, a simpler question is simply to discover why am i not doing it in the first place again it's that that constant sort of American orientation to always reach forward, to always look to manifest more, manifest better, harder, faster, right? Versus a shamanic perspective that's standing in the center between the dark and the light and looking at, okay, what is the simplest, most effective way to get at the real energy going on in this situation? And the beauty of the mess is that the mess lifts what's expected up. It lifts the everydayness up. It, it changes what's normally present so that we have an opportunity to gain insight into what is below, what is really going on. So if we can see what's actually happening accurately, then we are always able to craft a more effective question. So questions based on a complete misunderstanding of the problem in the first place are often not going to be very effective. So when I was learning to journey about my life, about how to affect change in my life, not just journeying because someone told me to journey on this question, but I was trying to use it in my life, I learned very quickly to begin by asking questions to help me understand the true nature of the problem I really wanted an answer about. Whereas most people assume they understand the problem and then just journey about it to get an answer, what to do, to get guidance, to receive healing, whatever. Uh, Versus recognizing if I actually understood this problem accurately, I probably wouldn't be in it in the first place. So instead of standing on the problem in my ignorance and misunderstanding and just asking for a way out, why don't I back up and ask spirit to help me understand the true nature of the problem in the first place? And in understanding the true nature of the problem in the first place, I come to understand myself better. And and by making sure I accurately understand the problem, now I will craft a question relative to it that is more likely to give me a solution or an answer to the question that will be an actual solution for the problem in my life. So the willingness to to take the time to accurately diagnose the problem in the first place is important in using shamanic journeying directly as a way to directly apply answers to your life. And the beauty of a mess is that it often exposes the real vein of gold underneath there and and you can journey about that versus the mess or the original problem in the first place 
So the other thing about messes is sometimes they stir things up. They stir the ordinary and the expected and the assumed. They stir these things up so completely that we are able, we're, we're sort of freed from it all because it's been such a disaster. We're sort of freed from it all. And in that momentary freedom, we're able to reset our priorities or perhaps simply cut out what um, suddenly is clearly not necessary. Um, and so this is another value of the mess. And since it helps us reset our priorities or hel- helps us to cut out what is unnecessary, it can then change what we see as the problem out and or change how we're going to craft the question. So, as I said, the first essential thing for journeying well is to understand clearly what you are journeying about. And that is the first gift in the mess is that it helps us to understand what we are truly journeying about. Now, next, once we see things more clearly, the next uh, task in journeying is to craft more effective questions. Now, the beauty of the mess, if we are post-mess, the mess has happened, is that the mess often exposes a truth, a truth that may have been hiding or a truth we were afraid of, a truth we didn't want to know, something like that. And so since the mess is exposed, whatever it feels like the mess is exposing, using that in as you craft your question often makes for a more potent question. And the more potent the question, the more useful the answer. So if, uh, let's imagine that you're in a lovely um, heterosexual relationship, but the sex is not so great. Um, You, either of the partners, you know, might be journeying to find out, maybe you feel like your partner doesn't find you sexually attractive. And you might journey to find out what is that about? However, if there's already been a big mess, um, you could be journeying on how uh, do my now gay partner who just came out and I support each other in creating sexually satisfying life. Now, it's a very different question, but the mess, the mess of finding out that your straight partner is actually gay um, has helped you to clarify what the real question is here. It's probably also explained a lot going on in the relationship and freed you both up now one way or another to figure out how to have great sex with somebody who's actually sexually compatible with you. And so part of the beauty of the messes in life, even the ones that are really heart-wrenching and seem really challenging, is that they help us understand what's really going on so all of our journeying is more effective. So... Another thing about crafting questions and using the mess is if we love the mess, it can begin to change our attitude um, as we're crafting the questions. So if we're looking at the mess, for example, as an ally that has come into your life to expose what you really need to be journeying about, then um, you will approach what the mess is showing you from a very different attitude. If you don't love the mess, if you're irritated and cranky and grumpy and think, frankly, the bottom line is it's wrong no matter what the trickster or the Tao says, then you're going to tend to misinterpret the mess and not really understand or see the insight or the clarity or the sort of cutting to the bone uh, to see the truth that the mess might offer. So, 
let's look at this, for example. So let's say that there is an underlying irritation in your life. It can be very hard to craft a journey question about that because it's just this vague underlying irritation. You don't really know or haven't yet figured out how to tap into what's really going on. And then suddenly your life blows up. There's a big mess. So now if you can hold the mess as a relief and stand in the center of that storm and feel into it, you might begin to have actual definable feelings instead of just this underlying irritation that you couldn't quite put your finger on. And having defined those feelings, you can now craft an actual question. And so another aspect that people um, often don't realize about good journey questions, meaning a journey question that gets you to an effective answer. Felt sense, our intuitive sort of body information about what's really going on and what we're journeying about is really important uh, in clarifying the question. Because if we're just coming from our heads, we can come up with 50 different questions to journey on and they all sound great. But we can sort through all those questions based on which ones actually ring true, have some resonance with the true situation. And we can sort through those even further by looking for the ones that are connected in some way to our deeper felt sense of what is going on, what we're feeling in our body about the situation. And so it is in um, using that experience, the felt experience of it that can help to really shape a powerful question. Now, in normal everyday blah, blah, blah life, our felt sense of things tends to be somewhat numbed out. And so the beauty of the mess is it throws everything topsy-turvy and starts to bring out our real feelings as we engage with the mess, that it's, um, it interrupts the patterns. It interrupts the slumber, frankly. It interrupts the habits and allows us to actually have a true feeling, a true uh, internal sense. Um, and from that feeling that we can name or that felt sense um, that comes through, we can bring those in to craft a better question about ourselves. So the thing to understand about the mess, shamanically and Taoistically, is that for either to really work, we need to cultivate a healthy, dynamic relationship between the adventurer quality within us and the healthy ego within us. And I've talked about the ego and the adventurer in many, many other shows, but in short, relative to the mess, the ego is the part of yourself that has the desire to live your the healthy ego. It's a part of yourself that has the desire to live your soul's purpose. It is identified with yourself and feels the, the motivation of manifesting your soul's purpose and wants to get from A, here, now, to B, soul's purpose manifest. And it's focused on that task and it considers any mess a distraction from the task. You know. All right. But the adventurer is the one who wants to go off on the adventure, which feels initially like a divergence from the path from A to B. And in that adventure on that um, windy path away from the A to B straight line, the person 
begins to become the person who can actually manifest the soul's purpose. And so the ego needs the adventurer, but the adventurer needs the ego to bring it back onto task. And so I'm sure you can guess in this little story here who makes the messes. Obviously, the adventurer has a tendency to make the messes. Um, However, it is in divining what they found in the heart of the mess and bringing that in, incorporating that into the life that gets created in the time that follows Um, You know, as the adventurer returns to the healthy ego and they wander down the path together a little further, as those energies get incorporated in, the person becomes the person that they need to be. And so the ego has a much lower tolerance for mess and the adventurer a much higher tolerance for mess. But the important thing is the ability together to use it, to discern what in the mess has been valuable, what has changed, what has allowed us to come into a truer alignment with ourselves and um, brought us then more fully into the world. So the ego and the adventurer then and that dynamic can be engaged and uh, cultivated. So the dynamic can be engaged. Each one of them can be cultivated within ourselves through effective and um, skillful journeying, crafting the questions, understanding the situation, crafting the question, doing the journey, acting on the answer, looking at the benefit or not of acting on the answer and adjusting that that process is a big part of the actions necessary to cultivate a healthy ego and a healthy adventurer, at least shamanically speaking. So the other thing here, though, is that sometimes our life gets messy because our heart spirits are trying to align. Um, There are messes long before there is a heart attack or heart disease. But the messes do not get valued. They don't get divined. They, don't, they, they do get ignored as annoyances along the path. And then eventually the heart can't do anything but stop because the inner Ling spirit and the outer Shen spirit of the heart are just so deeply misaligned. So um, when we live with our Shen, which is the outer heart spirit, the, the, the heart self that you show to the world. So when we live with our Shen, looking for validation and satisfaction and acknowledgement from outside of ourselves or simply from everywhere but within ourselves, um, then the alignment with the Ling or the inner heart spirit um, is, becomes problematic at, or we fall out of alignment. And when there is no alignment, um, Life can often get very messy as an act of self-correction, as the heart trying to bring itself back into alignment with itself. And so what's important to understand is that the Ling and the Shen need to be aligned and that often the messiness of life is showing to us how that isn't happening or how they are not aligned. Um, So not only do the Ling and the Shen need to be aligned with each other, but they need to be in balance. So the Ling spirit is the spirit that we talk to, only we talk to, deep at the deep desires of our heart. 
And so when we choose to listen to the Ling spirit and the true desires of the heart, and then we, we acknowledge that conversation and bring that energy out, uh, not to the world, but to the Shen spirit of the heart. Then the Shen spirit of the heart, that job, the ener- that energy of the heart's job is to present our heart's truth out to the world in a way that is accurate and therefore satisfying to our heart, but to do so in a good way that doesn't leave us unnecessarily vulnerable and trampled on and um, leave us in a way in the world in which we are not respected. And so the important thing is that if we were to just share our Ling energy with the world, um, we would be energetic roadkill. That the Ling is an intimate relationship with yourself, your intimate heart relationship with yourself. It is not uh, meant to be exposed. In other words, it's an energy that um, generates and cultivates and thrives in darkness, in our inner self. And then the, the message of the Ling then gets delivered to the Shen spirit of the heart, whose job it is to be out in the world. And to present who you are out in the world. But the idea here is that the Shen is doing what the Ling needs and wants done. And that they work together. And when they don't, when they're out of alignment, when the Shen is reaching for its satisfaction, its acknowledgement, its validation outside of itself, and the Ling isn't being listened to, they can get very, very um, deeply misaligned. And our life usually is the same. Our life begins to take on that and manifest that same misalignment um, in, some, in some fashion. Okay. So the Ling and the Shen must be aligned and balanced. And to create that, we must choose to listen to the Ling and the true desires of the heart and then present that to the Shen. Uh, so that the Shen can live in the world, can, can motivate us to live in a world in a way that is accurate to us, that is truthful, but is also a good way to live in the world in terms of our own health and well-being energetically. So when the Shen presents a different truth based on some other story and the Ling isn't heard, this alignment can create a great pressure in our life. It's not the Ling or the Shen themselves that are creating the pressure, but the fact that we aren't allowing them to work together and that we are allowing them to get further and further out of alignment. So the mess is often the result of the heart spirits need to realign themselves or their efforts to self-correct. So that, that misalignment then, it either explodes or implodes and it reveals the deeper truth of our hearts somewhere in the center of that mess. But again, we have to be willing to stand in the center of that storm, of the mess, to stand in it and to feel what is really going on here. And so the sudden exposed affair, the sudden how did I get here awareness of full-blown addiction? The missed deadline, the um, constant behavior that gets you to a place where you lose your job, or even a depression, even that vast depression you're using to cover the mess that is in motion in your life. All of these messes lead to the divine. 
And they are all messes for us to divine. The important thing is that we're willing to stand in it, in the mess that we've created and to feel the feelings that are inherent in it and to follow them, to track them, to find the vein of gold that the mess has exposed that will allow us to come into a higher consciousness and a greater alignment with truth within ourselves. So this, this idea of mess divination um, is a big part of the cycle teachings, um, that there are many, many offerings about how we divine the truth in the mess. Um, we begin uh, with how do we look at the mess, the irritation, the frustration, the ickiness, the boundary uh, problems, all of that everyday stuff of life and interactions and learn to divine the deeper truth in that through the clearing process. In the second year, we look at shadow work and our fears. Basically, where do our fears come from? And learn to divine into the mess that unintegrated shadow selves create in our lives through our unconscious energy. In the third year, we look at all the stories, even the story of being feminine and the story of being masculine, the man-woman story. We look at all of our stories as just being stories and look at the mess many of these stories create in our life and seek in that mess uh, the deeper story, the deeper truth for ourselves. And ultimately, in the fourth year, we look at the mess of our unresolved um, ancestors, those who are dead but not gone, and not ancestral helping spirits. And so we learn to clean up that mess as well. They're, it's not necessarily our mess, but it is a mess we are linked to by blood. And because we are linked to it by, by blood, we have the permission to actually clean it up. And so they're, they're, these are, the, I'm just, it's just off the top of my head trying to find one way in each of the four years that we learn mess divination. Um, but there are many because the messiness of life is a great, great gift. So in, in shows and in my teachings with my students, um, I speak often a balance. And that's because my helping spirits speak often a balance. Um, a life that flows from the organic and energetic nature of our existence is a life of dynamic balance. Balance isn't a place or a thing. It's a verb. It's something that you do. Um, if it isn't something that you do, if it isn't something that you value, if it isn't something um, that you can learn to be creative within, then balance becomes something that life will do to you. And that my friends, is always really, really messy. So it's important to remember that a mess in life is often the reaction of a life that is being held out of balance. That it can be the life's desire to swing free of those beliefs, stories, and limiting ideas about what can be or what should be or must be or what you are afraid to be and it's the life wanting to swing free of all of that and create anew. So to explore this, you could journey and ask, what does it feel like when I am in dynamic balance? And once you know from the journey what that feels like, then you can ask, show me where in my life I live in dynamic balance. 
And then you can follow that up by a third question, why? Why are these the places in my life that I can live in balance? So Uh, But most people don't really risk feeling regularly and deeply enough to know how they feel. They're too busy feeling everything um, that they are reacting to in everything and everyone around them. And by the way, if you're one of those people who's always feeling everything for yourself and everybody, then your emotional body is a mess. And we need to do mess divination on that. But anyway, back to the point. You can ask about... Uh, where you are something other than dynamically balanced, like where in my life am I paralyzed? Where in my life am I dormant? Uh, Where am I rooted in familiarity and ignoring the discomfort? Where am I in stasis? Or simply ask, where am I holding myself dangerously out of balance? These are all great journey questions and they can all, by sinking into the mess, they can really help us to understand where we aren't truly living. And with each of these questions, though, what's most important is to ask why. Whatever you find, to ask why. Because you don't necessarily want to work with what you find. You want to work with the why. Why is that thing set in motion by your own beliefs, by your own energy? What is the deeper cause? Why are, what is motivating it? That's what you really want to journey about. It's the why that matters. And to ask that why out of true curiosity and to explore that answer as an honest adventurer is true journeying. So what if you aren't feeling anything deep enough to accurately ask one or more of any of these? Then ask, why am I not in dynamic balance in my life? What does that truly feel like? So there are many, many ways to come at this energy. But the most important thing to understand is that the mess is often your life trying to correct itself. It is often your heart trying to correct itself. It is often... Um, something precariously held, wanting to swing back to a place of balance and um, wholeness. And so the mess is not to be dismissed. The mess is to be divined. So in June this year, I was teaching at Rose Center in Massachusetts, which was really a lovely experience. And in addition to the lovely experience, the artist in residence there had created this wonderful display of her work all the way around the four walls of a great big room. Um, And uh, it was, the only way to describe it is, was a profoundly divine mess. That creativity was pouring out of everywhere. And as you walked around the room, you realized in all of this chaotic, crazy collage art, big, not like, Colossal pictures. These were more like altars, sacred space, made out of this stuff, all collaged, gathered and collaged together and artistically, not only artistically organized, but things were painted and, and changed in certain ways. But that each section was an altar or a sacred space that honored something, that called something in, that expressed or celebrated something. And it was incredible. 
And as you, any one of these things could be an altar that you would want to take home. And they were unbelievably alive. Like I said, oozing creativity, oozing the celebration of life, but also not just the typical American blowout celebration of life, but truly a sacred understanding, a sacred celebration where that expression is generative, it's circular, it's expressing the celebration and the celebration is brought back in at the root to nourish. It was, it was unbelievable. And um, so if your life is an expression of your unique genius, how could it not be messy? We can spend so much time going on and on about the wrong things. When we make a mess, uh, that what we miss out here on is that the exact mess is a divine mess of our own creation. And that it is precisely created so that we can discover a deeper truth about ourselves. All of this is not to say that we don't need to clean up our mess. We certainly do but that we must do so in the attitude of the trickster sleuth so that we can discover the message in the mess. And the message is most certainly not that everything is as it should be, so accept it all and remain powerless in your life. Everything is exactly as it needs to be to teach you, to give you the message through the wondrous creativity of life that there is a place within you where you are not being fully accountable and where perhaps you are lying to yourself. This is the gift in the mess. In the guise of your trickster self, you sift through the scene of the mess, looking for the evidence of who you truly are. Gather the bits that matter, that ring true, the bits that scare you, and put things right cleaning up your mess as you go. And as you clean up your mess, I encourage you to clean it up in a new way. Create a new life, one that is not quite so comfortable. So thank you everyone for joining me this week. I give thanks to the spirits, the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Next week, our guest is Jeffrey Stockton. He is the winner of the prestigious International 2012 Storytelling World Award. And he is also a Celtic harpist. And I've invited Jeff on the show to talk to us about the power of stories um, and how stories can harm us and how we can use stories to help us to heal. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week.